0: Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, with the 2019 NFL Combine officially in the books, I thought I'd take a look at the history and the significance of the Combine, along with a little infamous Broncos history lesson in why it's a more important event for NFL teams than you might realize. Now of course anymore, you can always count on the NFL to make an event out of more or less everything on its calendar down to the coin flip in the uh, Super Bowl. And the Scouting Combine is no exception, but it hasn't always been that way. The National Invitational Camp, the NIC, which is commonly known as the Scouting Combine, first began in 1982 and was only attended by 163 players. It was in Tampa, Florida that year. It was about half the size of today's camps in, in Indianapolis. And it was one of three camps that first year and didn't draw much interest from the teams. And now in 1985... All 28 teams at the time agreed to participate, but really it was mostly as a means of sharing the cost of medical exams. It was not so much to evaluate players, and the event was not even televised until 2004 and really didn't become the major spectacle that it is today until about the past 10 years or so. So by and large, it's the Combine is an opportunity to do what we call in the business world level setting. Now, most NFL talent evaluating executives are they're, they're sophisticated enough at watching game film that they're going to get most of the impression of a player's tangible skills from watching hours upon hours of game film. And in fact, there was a piece out this past week about Rich Gangarello uh, that he likes to watch game film for his prospective quarterbacks all the way back to high school, just to see how the quarterback has grown over the last four or five year period. That, you know, better him than me, I'm thinking. But but the Combine gives these executives an opportunity to validate or maybe even contradict what, what they're seeing on tape with the height and weight measurements, the wingspans, high, hand sizes, especially for quarterbacks, and, of course, the speed, strength, and agility skills. The Combine doesn't paint an entire picture of a player's skill, but it most definitely def- it does paint a picture. Now, many of today's NFL players believe the Combine is overrated, but, but there have been a number of players who are basically discovered at the Combine, like J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham, and if you go back a generation, Bo Jackson was, was discovered at the NFL Combine. And of course, there have been a good number of superstars who were never invited to the Combine at all, like, like Chris Harris Jr., Philip Lindsay, Antonio Gates, Tyreek Hill, and Julian Edelman. Obviously, the Combine and the Combine numbers are certainly not an infallible measure of a player's value. If you've never heard the name Mike Mamula, he was a big defensive end who who ran a 4 5 8 40 in 1995 and basically blew away the skills tests. And then vaulted up the draft board before getting taken by the Eagles at number 7 overall. And and the Eagles actually passed on future Hall of Famer Warren Sapp to 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 get Mamula. and and basically they got themselves a bust of a player. He he never worked out in the NFL. But to give you an idea, of what can happen when you don't have the level setting of the combine to work with, I want to take you back in history to one of the more infamous moments that that the Broncos have had. The year was 1988. Now, if you're a very old and shrewd Broncos fan, you probably know where I'm going with this. The Broncos had just been to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, but they'd been beaten fairly soundly by the Giants in Super Bowl 21, 39-20, to and had been embarrassed by the Redskins in Super Bowl Twenty Two, forty-two 42-10, despite having gone into the game as three-point favorites. The general consensus in Broncos country, as it was with the front office and head coach Dan Reeves, I think, was that the Broncos needed to get tougher in the trenches, especially on defense. So everybody expected the Broncos to pick a a defensive lineman early, perhaps even in the first round. And I remember personally rooting for Dan Reeves to pick Michael Dean Perry, who had made a name for himself as the younger brother of William the refrigerator Perry who was the the gargantuan defensive lineman for the Bears Super Bowl teams who who had doubled as a road-grading red zone fullback a part of the lore of that that Bears team of the mid-80s anyway when the Broncos picked at number 26 they took a 6 foot 1 inch 260 pound defensive lineman from Syracuse named Ted Gregory Ted Gregory had been a 1987 All-American defensive lineman, and he was of good size, obviously, for for a D lineman. And at the time, the Broncos front office did not attend the combine, and it was not Dan Reeves' policy to meet with potential draftees prior to the draft. So the pick made a certain amount of sense, even though it was sight unseen. But my goodness, think about that: no combine, no workout, no interview, nothing. In today's world, it's almost unimaginable. But in 1988. This is how it really happened. So Gregory shows up to camp, and Dan Reeves must have felt like you do if you've ever written a scathing, crude email to a friend when you reply at work to an idiot's email, but you accidentally hit reply all. I mean, Reeves, who himself is six foot one inch, is said to have exclaimed when he met Gregory, "Oh my gosh, I'm taller than he is." And in reality, Gregory was closer to 5 foot 9 than he was to 6 foot 1 and, and he was 260 pounds. Basically, he was a stocky fat kid who had been a college all-American but had nothing close to an NFL body. And, and to make matters worse, he had suffered a knee injury in his last college game and even had allegations of steroid use against him. So Dan Reeves had to have been sick to his stomach when he first met Ted Gregory. Gregory then re-injured his knee during training camp and wasn't even on a path to make the final cuts, and with, with Dan Reeves getting hounded by the local Denver media. He, he traded uh, Gregory to the to the New Orleans Saints for another defensive lineman named Sean Knight. Now Gregory, sadly, he, he blew out his knee after three games in New Orleans, and, and he's actually, if you can believe this, mentioned by some old-time Saints fan fans as one of the worst New Orleans Saints of all time. So so. Th- thus ended the the sad tale of, of Ted Gregory. And what could only be described as a sort of kind of cosmic retribution against Dan Reeves, he would go on, and the Broncos would go on to the Super Bowl again two years later, but they'd get matched up against possibly the greatest NFL team of all time, the 1989 Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, San Francisco 49ers, and still without much of a defensive line, they they suffered... The most embarrassing Super Bowl loss in Broncos history, 55-10. So guys, as we start to gear up for next month's draft, the Combine honestly may not make a big difference in who the Broncos are actually going to draft. And yeah, perhaps it's become an empty made-for-TV event. And yeah, perhaps it's overrated like many of the players believe. And yeah, the Broncos have probably benefited from doing their homework and grabbing guys like Chris Harris Jr. and Phillip Lindsay who are not even invited to the Combine. But if you consider the NFL draft without the Combine and consider the curious case of Ted Gregory, the Combine is not, not such a bad thing. Kevin, back to you.